Welcome back to Torpid Liver and Other Symptoms of Poor Communication. I'm so glad you've joined me. And I know it's been a minute since I recorded an episode again, but this has been a really interesting year. I'll just leave it at that. In this episode, I'll share my thoughts on omni-channel internal communication. Now, for me at least, that's a twist on omni-channel communication that you might use with external customers. The beauty of omni-channel communication when you're selling a product or service is that you're delivering consistent messages in the ways that best suit consumers. The same is true when you're using this approach internally, but there are some very clear distinctions and there's also some things you can learn in the ways that your employees respond to or perceive those different channels. And I think that's what makes this discussion really interesting and hopefully useful for you as well. So let's get started. Okay, before I go further into an internal omni-channel communication approach, let's talk one more minute about the external approach because I think there's some similarities that help lay the foundation for what we're going to talk about later in the podcast. When you use an omni-channel advertising approach or external communication approach, it's really pretty smart. The key is to be consistent so that when a customer happens to hear your message in another channel, you're reinforcing the same values and the same attributes every time. I liken it to the old adage about traditional advertising. And the essence of that is that someone needs to hear an advertisement, I don't know, let's say 17 times before they have the desire or make a decision to purchase your product. Uh, For example, if you see a beer advertisement often enough, at some point you may think, I really want a beer. And specifically, you want that beer, the one you keep seeing advertised. Now, the same is true with omni-channel marketing. Now, I've been sucked into purchasing products more times than I care to admit because of this very approach. Sometimes I'll see a product, I'll pass on it, but then I see it again somewhere else. And with social media, and I know you've experienced this before, you may see a product again and again within minutes, depending on your search and scroll habits. At some point, that makes you reconsider. You may decide you really want that product after all. Now, you may have also seen that when you veer away from a purchase, there'll be a pop-up box that appears magically offering you a 10 or 15% discount, which really isn't that much, but it is enough to make you reconsider. When I see those things, I realize the product was overpriced to begin with, but you know what? It still sucks me in. You know, I will reconsider that product purchase, and like I said... It's uh, put me over the edge more than a few times. Now, if you really want to know more about omni-channel marketing, you can do some research online. There's a lot of credible, credible information out there. Or you can network with colleagues who specialize in marketing, and they can give you the scoop on that. But, but think about what I just said, because we're about to talk about how some of those same principles apply to the internal omni-channel approach. I've been really lucky over the course of my career to work for some major global corporations. Now, they're all U.S.-based because I'm U.S.-based, but we did have a global presence. And I'm trying to think of all the industries I've worked in, uh, predominantly healthcare, technology, and transportation. Um, And all of those companies used an omni-channel approach. But 
I also worked in uh, a couple of major consulting firms. And when I was an HR communication strategist, I noticed that my corporate clients in different sectors also had omni-channel approaches. So it's pretty common. Um, the ways that companies go about that, though, uh, can really vary. So if you're a well-established company, you may have some legacy channels that you continue to use because it's part of your tradition and culture. Um, or it makes sense for a particular employee body. You know, if you've got employees who are on the road all the time, you may use a more old school channel, but it might be a, an effective means to reach them, right? There's a number of ways that this comes about. Um, in in more recent years, um, you gain channels because of things like Microsoft O365, right? So if your company's IT decided to go that route, then you automatically signed on to the apps that are available through O365, including Yammer, which was not as, as I, maybe it was popular, but I don't remember it being as popular the first time I used it, which was like the mid 2000s. But then I saw it used more widely in companies once Microsoft acquired it. So you got to think about the way that other things came about as well. Um, back, back in the dark ages, when I first started my career, we still printed communication, right? I remember spending lots of hours at printing companies doing press checks for print publications. And if you're young, you don't even know what that means, but it was a thing back in the day. Um, and then, you know, around the mid-1990s, email became used more commonly, so there you got another channel. And with that came the advent of the internet, and with that came the uh, advent of the intranet internally, so now you've got another channel. And then if you think about um, when the first smartphone came out, that was the iPhone in 2007, and, and then think about how many apps and how many ways of communicating have taken off since then, right? Um, gosh, I mean, there's just so many things you can think about that have just changed over the last 20 years. Um, you know what I just randomly thought of? Okay, this is a sidetrack. Did any of you ever participate in the original Stumble Upon? That was one of my favorite, favorite, favorite social media programs. It was so well done. If you're not familiar with Stumble Upon, you should look it up and see if there's some history on it because it was really cool and you would meet like-minded people based on your interest. And of course, all good things come to an end because they decided to change it and they screwed it up. I don't remember if they were acquired or what happened, but they really messed it up. That was that was a good time. Okay, let me get let me get back to the topic. Um, anyway, so I'm talking about all these channels and you're like, why does this matter, Robin? Well, it matters depending on your culture, right? If you use an omni-channel approach for employee comms, you can use each channel to reinforce key messages or for lack of a better term, selling points with your employees. You can help employees learn more about your company's business strategy and most of all, why they should care about it and support it. Each channel probably has its own flavor, so you've got to tailor how you deliver those messages in a compelling, meaningful way. But just like with repeated exposure to advertising that I talked about earlier, employees will read key messages internally and over time, they're going to learn more, and hopefully, if you do it well, they're going to care more. Now, what that means is they can possibly become more supportive. They can see themselves in the process, and they can understand how they can make a difference in helping the business achieve its goals. What a concept, right? So that's why you want to use an omni-channel approach. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that and how you make the most of it.
Here's an important distinction. And I think this is really something you should think about. Most of us are using an omni-channel approach, whether we've acknowledged it to this point or not. I think if you're going to put information in lots of different channels within your organization, you also need to define for employees the purpose and benefits or the distinction among those channels. And not all of us do that. We just have them when we use them. But if you don't create that distinction for people or explain to them that you're using multiple channels to communicate information consistently simply because different employees like to consume information differently, and that's okay. If you don't define those things, then employees start to fill in the gaps of what they perceive they're missing. And I'll elaborate more on that in just a second. I'm a communication data and analytics junkie. There, I've said it. I think that it's really important to survey people routinely, do focus groups, and and, uh, measure your communication because uh, that's how you demonstrate your value to the bottom line. But I also think just for your own personal whatever, it's just interesting um, to read what employees are thinking because it can help you tweak and improve your communication in general, even if you're not sharing that data with other people. Um, Now, I will say this. In reviewing employee focus group feedback, I see this often. People will say that they don't understand why you're saying the same thing, essentially, in multiple channels. The reality is you may have some channels that are immensely popular, but that doesn't mean they're popular with everybody. There are some people, maybe minorities in your company, a minority of the population, I mean, that just prefer to get their communication from another of your channels. And that's okay. That's that's part of the beauty of having an omni-channel approach. But what I think is important in that bit of feedback from employees is that there are a couple things going on. One, it could be that employees are uh, looking for something else. So it's not that you're putting the same message in multiple places. It's that they're looking for how people are going to respond to that. So if they're looking in a channel where there's the opportunity for two-way or multi-way communication, um, as you would have, say, in a Yammer community, Uh, and they're not seeing um, the response they want. That's the best way I can describe it. Maybe they're not posting a response, but they're looking for other employee responses and they're not seeing the response they want. Then they can get frustrated and say like, well, why am I even coming here? Why am I even looking? You're just putting the same communication out there. What they're really looking for is somebody else's reaction to it. And maybe that's something that they can either counter or that they can pile on to. And that's something you've really, really got to be sensitive to. You know, as an aside, um, well, it's not completely an aside. It's actually related. I remember a time when a lot of employees, for whatever reason, would trust the communication they read about their organization externally, what was put out in the media, versus what they received internally. Now, a lot of those employees wouldn't realize that The messages are being created by the same corporate communications department, regardless of whether they're going internally or externally. But, you know, why would employees know that? If they're not in my profession, they wouldn't know that that's how that happens. Um, But I always found it interesting that sometimes they trusted what was shared with the media versus what was shared internally. And again, that goes back to whether they trust their leadership Um, whether they buy into the culture of an organization, there are a whole lot of reasons for that. But I'll go back to the original statement. If an employee tells you that they don't understand why 
you're putting the same message in multiple channels, then there's something you can do about that. And that also speaks to trust and can help build trust if there is an element of distrust there. So let's talk about that for a second. The nugget or the bottom line in what I'm saying is, and I think this is really important, when you have an omni-channel approach, make sure that employees understand why you have that approach and let them know that messages are consistent everywhere, unless they're not, in which case you should outline those differences as well. When you do that, that helps reinforce trust. Now, as I said before, most of us have an omni-channel approach, whether we acknowledge it or, or structure it or make the most of it. We have it because that's how things have evolved. But what most of us haven't done is what I just described, and it seems really simple. You have to explain to employees, yes, there are multiple channels. Here's how you access them. Here are the subtle differences between them. But, you know, then explain that you're not going to see differences in our messages. Our messages are consistent because that's a thing that builds trust. And, um, but, but if you don't tell people that, they'll start to fill in the blanks. Oh, well, something different happens over here. I've got to go look over here or over there to find something that I'm not finding uh, in the channel that I go to most often. That's a, that's a funny behavior, but, but I'm human and I understand and I would behave the same way were it not that I happen to be in, in the communication profession and I know how this works. So I completely get why people do it. But I think it's really important if you've never done it to go back and make that distinction because I think that will help employees, that helps them understand that you're, you're trying to be as transparent as possible about what this means and why you have multiple channels. Now, here's a variation on what I just described. Um, in conducting employee focus groups, I've heard people say that they wished that we would reduce the number of channels so they don't need to look in as many places. Now, what I find interesting is we've never communicated uh, in all the places I've worked, we've never communicated that they would find different things in different channels. They just made that assumption. I mean, logically, why would we do that? It's just not a good sound approach. But as a human being, I understand why people might do that. So back in those previous cases, we needed to do a better job helping them understand why there are multiple channels, how they came about, etc. And if we had done that, maybe the employees wouldn't be trying to fill in blanks that aren't there, meaning they wouldn't be making assumptions because, frankly, they're just unclear about why we have these channels. That's why I suggest being transparent about the approach if you're going to do it and if you're going to continue to use multiple channels. Now, here's, here's another twist. In the example I shared, um, I've, I've looked again at employee comments and realized in some cases that employees are going there for the gossip. It's what I said before. They're looking for something or a reaction. And where that's coming from typically is they're just not happy with something that the company has decided to put forth. You know, you're changing something in your corporate policy. There's a change in corporate direction and employees don't like it. And the way they want to express that, if they're afraid to express it directly, is to go find somebody else who's doing that very thing. To go look for one of your channels where employees can give feedback and then either, you know, quietly do it by liking somebody else's comment or by just piling on to additional comments or even giving a dissenting opinion. But that's what they're looking for. Now, here's where I think this takes, um, well, doesn't take another twist. Here's where I think this aligns with something that I'm seeing um, 
just globally in terms of how we consume news and information. And there is something in this that might benefit you when you think about it from an employee comms perspective. This phenomenon that I'm describing in workplaces is what you're also seeing uh, globally in what's happened in news outlets over the last several decades. News programs used to be generally unbiased. They reported the news and they didn't interpret it for you. Since the advent of cable news and the 24-hour news cycle, we've seen news outlets become infotainment. We've all experienced complete bias in many news outlets that we used to trust, and lately, we've seen new ones that are straight up biased. They don't even pretend to be neutral. They have a viewpoint. And like I said, I call them infotainment or they're trying to sway you toward one political ideology or, or something else, right? So for people who spend a lot of time in social media, they begin aligning with outlets whose opinions mirror their own. And we've seen that in the United States, you know, in the last five, six years in our, in our political environment nationally and locally. People began aligning with outlets whose opinions mirror their own, and they want that reinforcement. It explains how large bodies of people can not only be misinformed, but misled, and, and sometimes in scary ways. And I won't elaborate more on that, because that's not really the purpose of this podcast, other than to explain that employees can do the same thing in their workplaces. And this is something that, as a communication professional, you want to be aware of. Employees based on what they experience in the rest of the world and internally, because you have so many channels, they believe that they can use those channels as a way to influence what's going on in an organization. Uh, for example, to reverse policy or to somehow change the course of action in something else that's happening in the company. Employees are looking for that dissenting opinion or an opinion, period, because they're not happy about something and they want to vent or they want to pile on. Or they're like other people in social media where they're lurking. They just want to feel good or they want to get riled up about something or whatever it is they want to do. They go read what other people are saying if you've got a two-way channel so that they can, you know, they can amplify that. And that's how they gain influence if they don't perceive that they can influence through other means, through more um, open communication or more transparent means. Now, if you sense that the comments that you're reading or hearing about uh, from your employees using an omni-channel approach, um, you know, I think there's nuggets in there that you can share with senior leaders, maybe your human resources group. There are constructive ways for employees to voice dissenting opinions if you don't already have options like periodic surveys, focus groups, etc. cetera, uh, town halls or another way where employees can express comments with their leadership. There are simple ways to demonstrate for employees that their constructive criticism has been heard. You, know, you can explain how things are changing for the better as a result of their feedback. And there's nothing more powerful than a former employee or critic who becomes an evangelist because your organization listened and took action and you let them know that you showed them how you were taking action as a result of their feedback. This continues to build trust in your organization as well. You're reporting to them the things that improved and why. And when you do that, they'll pay greater attention to some of those channels and for the right reasons versus looking for those like-minded opinions, whether they're right or wrong. Okay, as I wrap up this episode of all the examples I've shared, 
There's two things I want to reiterate, and to me, they're actually really simple. But as I always say, sometimes the most simple things seem the most difficult. Most of us do have an omni-channel internal communication approach. We've just not really thought about it thoroughly and thought about how you make the most of those channels. Now, the one thing that you want to do that most of us haven't done is you want to make sure that you explain to employees why there are different channels and that yes, messages will be similar in all of those channels. You're not going to put different communications in one versus another and make employees go hunt for that. You are building trust with them by saying our messages are consistent everywhere, but different channels appeal to different kinds of employees. And so we provide that information in ways that make sense for all of you. That should make employees feel good, help them have greater understanding, and it's going to feel consistent with what they see externally when there are multi-channel approaches to how they're marketed or how they're communicated with by other organizations outside of where they're employed, right? Now, the second thing that I think is important for you to remember is to look for those Look for those feedback mechanisms where employees are telling you that they don't understand why you have the channels or they want the channels to be reduced so they don't have to hunt for things. It's not as simple as what they're saying on the surface. I think I know from experience that employees are telling you something else there, right? There's a level of distrust. They're not happy about something and it may not have anything to do with the channel itself. They're looking for a dissenting opinion or some place where they can add their own feedback or pile on to feedback or whatever it is. But I wouldn't take those dissenting comments at the surface, just like, hey, I don't know why you have these channels. I don't like it. They're telling you something else. And those are the things that you need to probe on when you have opportunities to get additional feedback from them, because it means that they're trying to influence in ways that may not be the most productive, or they're frustrated about something, and that can lead to disengagement, and you're trying to do the opposite of that. So keep those things in mind. Um, hopefully this conversation have given has given you some ideas to think about uh, and some things that you can implement very simply to maximize what you already have in your omni-channel internal communications approach. Thank you again for joining me for this episode. I hope you found a couple of those talking points really useful and found things that you can apply in your own organization. Um, if you have other ideas or suggestions for the podcast, I would love to hear from you. If you'll go to my website, torpidliver.com, there's an orange chat icon on the lower right-hand side of the page. From there, a little dialog box will open and you can share your feedback and it'll get emailed right to me. And I'm usually pretty good about responding, uh, except when I'm traveling. So don't be shy. I would really love to hear from you. So I've got, oh, oh, I need to tell you this. Um, the upcoming podcast, I'm really excited. One of my um, dear friends and professional colleagues, Adrian Cropley from Melbourne, Australia, will be my guest. And you will not want to miss that episode. That's coming up in a few weeks. So uh, until then, thank you again for listening. Stay safe, stay sane, and have some fun. Cheers. <music>